Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and changemakers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, we're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. Welcome to this week's episode of Leaders of the West. Today, we are sitting down with Natalie Kovark, and we are talking about investing in yourself. Natalie, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, I am so honored. Thank you for the invitation. So to open things up, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in agriculture? Yes. So I grew up in agriculture. I grew up in Southwest Montana, so not far from your neck of the woods, I suppose. Um, I grew up on a cattle ranch, uh, registered Hereford, so seed stock. I got my degree in pharmacy though, so I never really intended to come back to the family ranch and um, I didn't. I didn't come back to the family ranch when I graduated. I was actually living in a bigger city in Montana, which is very relative term, but I was practicing full-time pharmacy and I really thought that would kind of be my path. I was very content. I loved my job and I was close enough to the ranch, but not on it. And it was just kind of ideal for me. And then my husband entered the stage and he is a Nebraska boy. He is a rancher. He is one of those people that has known from when he was little that he would run cattle. It was what you know, he is born to do. And so when we got married, I moved down here and I found myself back on a ranch again. And I have to say, God knows what he's doing with our lives. Oh, he absolutely does. So you have a lot of irons in the fire. Can you dig into a little bit more and kind of touch on those? Yes. So when I relocated, we are pretty rural Nebraska. We're outside of a town about 2000. And we do we do have a critical access hospital, which I ended up working at. Um, and we have some retail pharmacies. But I, when I moved, there was no positions. And so I was in a new state looking for something to do, which is just so silly. Like, I don't know why I couldn't have just <laughs> moved and been content on the ranch, you know, but I learned a few things about myself through personal development, which we will get into. And looking back now, it really makes sense with like my personality and, you know, some good things about it and some bad things about it that for lack of better words, I needed something to do to feel good about myself at that time. And so I ended up starting a direct consumer beef business. And that is pretty much like the start of everything for me. It kind of led me down the path of sharing online, which I ended up stepping away from the direct-to-consumer beef business to share more about myself and my family and kind of create a personal brand. And then from that, I ended up hosting retreats for personal development and sharing online. And I have created an online course and I have a podcast. And so kind of all these things in like the social media agriculture realm. Well, and they do all fit so nicely together. And there are definitely a number of different directions that we can go with this, but I really want to touch on how you've prioritized personal development and continuing education and how those efforts have really helped get you where you are today. You are somebody that I think has done a fabulous job, not only helping to educate others and share your knowledge, but you also are somebody who gets out and continues to educate yourself, which is absolutely huge. So can you elaborate a bit on that side of your life? Yeah, so it was very accidental. <laughs> and <laughs> in fact, I didn't I don't think I really realized what I was doing as far as calling it, you know, quote unquote personal development and, 
you know, investing in yourself and all that stuff. I didn't really realize that's what I was doing. There came a point when my business partner and I with the direct consumer beef business had kind of, I guess, maybe maxed out where we felt we could go with the business, building it online, kind of all of those things. You know, she was also coming from a pharmacy background. We were both coming from an agriculture background, but her job was also pharmacy. And so we're very, we were very self-taught entrepreneurs. We were very new to marketing, online selling, like all the things that are required to run and own a business that you think we would have needed. We did not, you know, we just had like a passion, I guess, and, you know, courageous enough to start it. So we were really learning all of these things as we went and we really maxed out and we recognized that because social media was so key to selling beef online, we thought that's where our first investment should be, I guess. You know, we at that time it was kind of a weird period online. There were influencers, quote unquote, but everything was very private back then. You didn't know how much they were making, you didn't know how they were doing it, you didn't know people's stats on Instagram. Like it was all kind of hush hush behind a curtain. And there was an influencer who was like kind of pulling that back and saying, like, I will teach you everything I knew. And so we kind of just took a leap of faith and we attended that retreat, I guess for lack of a better word. And that was really my first initiation into personal development, into investing in yourself and your business, into like putting money back into your business instead of spending it outward, putting money into yourself instead of spending it outward. And through that, it was just a very powerful experience for me for a lot of different reasons from personal to professional. And that was really, I think, what got the ball rolling for me where I started recognizing like, oh, it's it's really key if you want success, especially longstanding success in a business to do these little things that this retreat had done. So you mentioned being somebody who maybe didn't necessarily have the like, how are we going to get there? But you said you had passion and you have courage. And holy cow, do I know that that is just about any other man, woman, child in ag and Western industry, right? We have this dream. We have this passion. We are courageous individuals. We know the destination, but we don't necessarily know how we're going to get there. That is something that unites all of us. So did you come from a family or like a community of people who invested in themselves in those ways? Or is this something that you have really carved out for yourself? I would say my parents, so like the generation above me, was very into traditional education. You know, it was really hounded into me that we go off to college, you get a degree, you get something that you have for yourself. I can remember my mom always saying to me, like, education is something no one can take away from you. Like, your education is your own. And so I think that was really instilled in me. But looking at the generation above me, my parents, I would not say personal development was at all instilled in me. I would say that my sisters, I have three older sisters, I'm the youngest of four girls, and I would say they're actually maybe like parallel or we're walking the line of personal development, um, you know, kind of doing yoga and journaling. I remember I had a sister who journaled all the time. And so those little things that, again, I didn't recognize that you're putting back into yourself. But I think I was picking up those cues from them. But I wouldn't say it was so much from my parents. I would say it's from sisters, friends. And then really, once I started getting in, uh, into entrepreneurship more, that's where I think I really recognized it because I saw other leaders, other really powerful entrepreneurs doing it. And I think I recognized that as like a very common thread between them all. I need to go be a Cooper sister because I can tell you that <sighs> yoga and journaling are two things that I'm absolutely terrible at and I need to get better at. What's one more? I'm sure we won't even notice. <laughs> Are you all brunettes or would I, would I, will I look weird as the blonde? <laughs> no, I do have a blonde sister. You'll fit right in. Oh, perfect. Okay. Sign me up. Sign mm -hmm. me up. We'd have a hoot. 
So there are a variety of options when it comes to investing in yourself, right? Where do you think is a good place for somebody to start? Like, let's go back to the beginning. What was the first, obviously you mentioned that retreat, but how did you determine at the time that that was the best method for you? Yeah. And even before that, actually, I had always been a podcast junkie. And I think you can do a lot of free learning and a lot of free investment. So when you ask the question, like, where's the best place for someone to start? I always say they're free. There are books, there are YouTube videos now, like podcasts, there are so many resources online that you can go to for free to invest in yourself and your business. And looking back at a lot of my different endeavors I have started, I have always done a form of investment and research into them before launching. For example, when I started my YouTube, I didn't just start my YouTube channel. I actually remember carving out the time like it was business hours. I after the kids would go to bed or whatever whatever the time was, I treated it like this is my business hours. And I sat down and I watched this channel called Sunny Leonard Doozy. She's not out there anymore if anyone... Well, she is, but she teaches something else. So if you are looking to start a YouTube channel, don't search her. But at that time, that was her niche. She was teaching about YouTube and she had so many videos. And I probably watched 30 or 40 of her videos about you know, how to create your first thumbnail, do your headlines, um, how to get your first 1,000 followers. I mean, I just absorbed every piece of information I could from her. And then I went and started my YouTube channel. And so I have done things like that for free. And I have done the online course you buy. Like when we started our podcast, we bought an online course. When we have done bigger things, I've gone to in-person retreats. So you're right. There are a lot of places to start. I think you have to be very honest with yourself about where you are with time, money, and then go from there. Like, is this going to be a big investment that you're going to go do a one-on-one or a a retreat or a mastermind? Or is it going to be something small where you're going to sit down for one hour and you're going to watch YouTube videos or listen to a podcast? I love that. So since we're talking about those free resources, where to start in the beginning, I love YouTube. I love podcasts. You and Tara have a podcast, but what podcasts do you feel like for what it is that you are doing, whether that is ranching, entrepreneurship, obviously they go hand in hand a little bit. What are some of your favorite podcasts to listen to for somebody who is just starting out? So there is a podcast I start. I wouldn't say I start it every morning anymore. I used to. I was pretty diligent about it probably a year or two ago, but it's called Quote of the Day with Sean Croxton, and it is less than 10 minutes usually. And what he does is he pulls really powerful, motivational, life, you know, business, entrepreneurship, things from other people, like usually they're professional speakers or videos on YouTube. And he pulls like the five minute clip from them that's the most powerful and talks about it. So it's a really, really great way to start the day. There's a couple women in ag podcasts I would recommend. Climbing with Coach Kaya. She has really great stuff, I think, for people who are in entrepreneurship. There is Gather and Growth with Emily Rochelle, which I think is kind of parallel to Kaya. They talk a lot about the same things that are really good. I think you go through cycles, and this is okay for people who are not at the phase, because I used to listen to all business podcasts, and now I am not. I'm listening to a lot more lifestyle and stuff to kind of bring inspiration into my life. And I think I'll circle out of that and get back into like business and mindset podcasts. But for a while there, I was pretty burnt out on it. So I think those are probably the three I listen to now. Okay. I'm going to hold that thought about getting burnt out on kind of information overload because I do have a couple of questions specific to that later on. But so we've talked about free resources. Now let's talk about maybe like the beginning investment type things. Obviously, if you're somebody who is new to personal development, 
you are thinking to yourself, well, there are online courses. There are courses that are led by instructors. There are small group boot camps. There are masterminds. There are one-on-one opportunities. And there's a different price tag usually associated with each of those. But it can be overwhelming to figure out which of those options is right for you. So you are somebody who has done, I would say, at least one of those. Can you elaborate on your experiences with each of those and what people can expect? Because I also want to keep in mind the expectations too. Yeah, I have dabbled in all of those. (laughs) Um, Again, honestly, looking back at anything I've ever started, I have done an initial piece of investment into it, whether it was a free price tag attached to it or an actual price tag attached to it. And again, I kind of already said this, but I think you need to be really realistic about where you are and what you want out of it. So for example... I was transitioning out of YouTube and thinking about maybe starting a blog. I didn't know for sure if I wanted to do the blog. I just thought that maybe fits better in my life than sitting down or, you know, going out and capturing a ton of YouTube content and then sitting down and editing it. You know, I had really littles at that time. And I thought maybe I can write a blog in the morning while they're sleeping, which is more feasible for me than the whole YouTube thing. I'm not going to go out and do a big investment of a one-on-one retreat or mastermind for this blog when I don't even know for sure if I want to continue down that path. So what I did is I went out and I knew that there was a very successful blogger. She had a $250 mini course. I'm like, great, I will buy that. Start there. The same thing with our podcast. We bought a really small, it was like 90, maybe $199 just to get our podcast up and launched. Again, we didn't know for sure if we'd be in the podcasting space for a long time. We didn't know how much help we needed. We just knew we wanted a refresher to learn from someone. You know, if you can learn from someone who has gone before you, why waste the time figuring it out? So we were like, we just want some of those initial stuff to get us started. We obviously fell in love with podcasting. So about six or seven months into it, then we invested into a high price, very high price master course that we were part of for like six months. So I think it depends on where you're at in your journey what you're looking to get out of it, the amount of money you have in your bank account to put towards it. You know, is this a thing you're dabbling in that's a a side business? Then great, start small. Is this something that you completely want to step away from your nine to five and replace an income with? Then go big and make the really big investment so that you can like start off on the right foot knowing everything you need to. This, This is such a good conversation. This is giving me all of the feels. So one of the things that I I know this to be true about myself, I know this to be true about so many other people is often when we attend those courses or we go to a conference, let's say, we leave with this high where we want to accomplish all of these things. But so often it is like you've thrown gasoline on the fire, the fire rages, and then it doesn't burn for very long, right? So how do you ensure that when you make those investments in yourself, that you have more of that slow burn and you're really implementing that knowledge into your life and your business. Because I know that's another step where people kind of like they feel flustered. Yeah, it's a huge step and um, it is a big pain point. So if you can recognize that you're one of those people and implement some things, I think it'll be very powerful for your your business. I think it's about surrounding yourself with other like-minded people that are on the same track as you. If you go home and you keep all that information to yourself, you know, let's say your spouse isn't super interested in your business and all of your friends have your things going on and you're kind of the only one that is, you know, carrying this weight, this passion, this fire, this desire, it is going to burn out. That's a lot to carry as a business owner. If you can get in some Facebook groups, if you can get into um, an Instagram DM group, if you can, you know, wherever that is, maybe there's a small entrepreneurship group in your town, if you can, maybe if you go into a, work environment, that there are people you can meet there. Like if you can surround yourself with other people that are 
passionate about something and putting, you know, balls into motion and doing things, I think it's really impossible to be around without like catching that contagiousness for yourself. Surrounding yourself with people is a huge one. You had mentioned that earlier too, when you talked about your sisters, right? They were the people who kind of inspired you for that personal development. And I know too, that when you go back home, having people to continue to encourage that, right? That's why you went to the thing that you went to, right? To be around the people, especially if it's an in-person event. So having that at home is huge. Yeah. And I think the weirder or like, um, not weirder, but for me, it was really important because everything I was doing was online stuff. And that was weird to people, right? It was weird that I wanted to share my family and my life online versus just going into my traditional pharmacy job. So it really took me finding the other people that were as passionate about social media as I was, you know, the other weird people. So if you can find that crew for you, I think it goes a really long way. And looking back, I know that those women that I met that were doing the same things online and saw the same potential online and had as much fun online as I did, they helped me so many places along the way that I attribute a lot of my success to them. You know, I was able to go to a girl and say, I want to start an apparel line. What did you do? She had a very successful apparel line. You're able to like lean on each other and teach each other and just walk through the journey together. It is very, very powerful if you can align yourself with other people that are doing big things. That might have been the like the mo- most powerful moment of today. And especially, I know obviously we don't have only women listeners, but especially for rural women where you feel like you kind of live in the middle of nowhere, you're trapped there by yourself, you you don't get to pick necessarily who you are around. You want to do big things. The internet is a great place for that, but just really surrounding yourself with those type of people, that's how you push yourself. You push one another. You truly create community through that. Yeah. And community is a really cool thing to be a part of, which you haven't asked this yet, but that's why I always, if you are ready to, and you want to make the investment of an in-person event or retreat over an online course, I always recommend that because there is real power in being in a room with other people and making those connections and just learning live versus the online, you know, the online portion. Yes. And I can also say on that same note too, don't think that it just has to be like an agriculture group or a Western industry group, right? I have done a few things where they're outside of the industry, but it's with other people who have similar businesses to mine. And I have learned so much from those. So, and it honestly, let's be real. It can be uncomfortable to know you're going to be the only rancher there. And, oh no, is everybody going to be a vegan? And are they going to hate on me? And that's like, I'm going to spend time just like solely deflecting people's impression of our industry and then be not as focused on what it is that I'm there to be. And I can also say that anytime I've ever gone to an outside event, I have never once had that happen. So if anybody, and I know that that's a big, like a thought process for people, but I don't want to get outside of my industry because I don't know if I'll be accepted. People will accept you. Yeah. My last mastermind I joined was out of agriculture. There was no one in it. The leader was not tied to it. I mean, it was very, very far removed from agriculture. And I wouldn't even say there were other people in there doing kind of similar things to me. And you're right. It is a very positive experience. And it is a really powerful one because I love that those people can look at me and say, this is what I am drawn to about what you have going on. This is what I find most interesting about what you have going on. And it's like I'm almost working with, you know, my target audience and things like that, where they can help answer questions and just point out things that sometimes people within the industry we don't see or we forget about or, you know, we're just so used to it that it can be pretty powerful if you have an ag business to get it in front of non-ag people to get their opinion and experience about it. 
They definitely have the perfect set of eyes. So on that note, what is the best investment that you've ever made in yourself? I would say that first retreat, and not necessarily just because what I learned there, but I think it was the best one because it got me started. And it was a powerful experience, a positive experience that it kept me going. And I don't know if I ever would have, I mean, maybe I would have eventually invested in myself, but I just feel like because of that retreat, I continued to. And again, I attribute a lot of my successes because of these investments I make into them before I start the businesses. So what strategies do you use for like tactical implementation so that you don't deal with that information overload and overwhelm that we were talking about earlier? None. Do you have some kind of... (laughs) (laughs) I'm still working on it. If anyone has good ones, let me know. (laughs) No, I, for a while there, I had a very, I was very diligent about, I found a planner that really worked well for me. It was, a, it was, I guess, laid out for my personality. It kind of had like the three things you were going to do that day, you know, almost an area for brain dump of things that you were thinking about doing and then stuff that you would like roll over that you didn't get done. And so it kind of worked with the way my personality and brain runs. But no, I'm not super, I guess, strict about time blocking. And I, I actually don't have super set hours anymore for like structured hours for my work because I want to go out with my husband whenever I can. And that is very fluid throughout the day. So I usually like honestly rank going out to the ranch before doing my work. So I'll fit my work in elsewhere. So I'm not super structured, which is not maybe the best thing for people, but it works well for my personality and where I'm at right now, I guess. If there is anybody who can time block and is also in agriculture please tell me your secrets. I think I tried it for a day and I was like, "Mm, this is not going to work because your husband calls and they need, you know, they need an impact gun because they have a flat tire and my time block goes out the window. So no, time blocking has also never worked for me. I'm sure somebody out there listening is the perfect time blocker. Please slide into the DMs and let me know how you do it. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, I don't even know, like, I guess there's not been a pain point yet where I'm like, this needs to be fixed. Like this isn't working for me anymore. And I think that's kind of my personality where I just build my ship at sea and I work through something until I'm like, okay, this doesn't work anymore. And the way I am running, I guess, my life and my business and making all the parts fit together, I haven't encountered anything where I'm like, okay, I need to sit down and figure this out and change this because it's not working anymore. I love that. Okay, so we're going to flip things around a little bit because we've talked about you on the being educated side, but now I want to get to you as the educator, if you will. So you and Tara, you guys have Elevate Ag, you have online courses. From the teaching perspective, what mistakes do you see people making when it comes to the personal development investments that they've made? Time. I don't think people are realistic about the time it takes to put into some of the investments, and then also the time it will take to get the ROI from some of your investments. I think a lot of people see a course or a group mastermind or whatever it is, as kind of a silver bullet. You know, they're struggling in their business. They want to make an investment. Great. They found the thing that works for them and they're going to take it and they expect immediate results. And I can tell you that no matter how good any course is, no matter how many great any leader is, you are still going to have to have time when you come back from whatever it is you're learning to implement it and make it work for you and then to see the results. And I think a lot of people get frustrated and give up before they put in the proper amount of time. I have always thought of like of any kind of investment like this as the seed, right? So you buy the seed 
Then you still have to put the seed into the ground. You have to water it all summer, right? It's just like farming three, five, six months later, right? It's obviously longer in business months or business years, if those are like dog years. But it really is. The investment is the seed. Your crop is coming at a much later date. It is not instant gratification. Yeah. And it can be hard because you really want it to be instant gratification, especially depending on the price tag of something you invested into it. And so I understand that desire and I've experienced it myself, you know, where I go and I'm like, oh, okay, guess it's time to put in the work. We are in an also a society that is like immediate gratification is built into everything we do. And so I understand that. So if you're listening and you feel targeted right now, (laughs) you're not the only one, you know, we're all guilty of it. But I think the people who are realistic about the time are the ones that see the success. Oh, yes, that is. I, I feel like even though we know that it is still like an internal gut punch, right? There is there is no uh, there's no secret to life. There's no fountain of youth. There is no magic pill. At the end of the day, it is work, which our industry does recognize, but that doesn't necessarily make it any easier. No, not at all. Okay, well, let's get to the rapid fire round. Okay, what is the best piece of business or personal advice that you've ever been given? Clarity comes through action. So I think because, again, I was a self-taught entrepreneur, I thought I had to have a plan. I thought I needed to make a big plan. You know, that's what you hear. You hear people make business plans before they go into pitch people. And I don't know, I've just always thought of this old school, you have a plan, you follow it by the book, and that's how you build a business. And I have learned through my own journey that you can create a plan and maybe you will stick with it all the way through and maybe you'll stick with it halfway through or maybe you will scrap it one week into it and realize you wasted all that time on your plan. And so I have really learned that clarity comes through action. I'll never forget when I was sitting in the room actually and heard that spoken. I was like, that makes so much sense because looking back on my journey, I have tweaked and pivoted and changed and all of that comes through action. You cannot make those changes in your business, those changes in your personal life without actually putting in the work to see where the changes to be made. So for anyone who feels like they get held up in like analysis paralysis or the plan isn't perfect or you haven't even created a plan, you don't necessarily need one. Like sometimes everything becomes much more clear when you start putting in the steps and the work. And done is better than perfect too. I feel like that's the other thing that kind of goes along with that for sure. Yeah, I think of my first website. I mean, I didn't invest into a website for, I don't know, three years into my business. I mean, I was well over six figures and I was still running off of like, I was piggybacking actually off of our ranch website because I didn't, when I launched my personal brand, I did not want to pay for my own website. And so I piggybacked off our ranch website and it had a little up in the corner. It was like Natalie's Corner and that's where you clicked. And then it took you to like everything about like my online stuff, which is just hilarious looking back. But you're right. Like that was not perfect. It was not beautiful, but it got the job done. It got me to where I was and it was free at the time. I mean, kind of. I was still paying for it for the ranch, but you know, it's like your MVP. You know, MVP is something I really, really stand by. It's your minimal viable product. You got to get started somewhere. And usually looking back, your MVP is a little bit embarrassing and that's okay because it means you got started and you have a chance to make those changes you need to, but you got to get started first. Well, and on that topic, I don't necessarily know of any business who produces now what their MVP was. You have to get it to market. You have to have people test it. They tell you what they need because you likely didn't see the need correctly. It's something that everybody has, right? And then that's how you shape your product. But I really don't know. I mean, I guess maybe Nike shoes or Ford as a car, like it, but it's still, those are, have evolved. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I always, I think if your MVP hasn't changed, you're 
brand probably isn't growing and your business isn't evolving. So it's probably a problem if you haven't made tweaks and changes to whether it's a product you have or a method or you know whatever your business is. If you are still doing the same thing you've always done, I mean, maybe you hit the jackpot right off the start, but maybe that's something to look into. You know, maybe that's part of the problem if you're feeling like stagnant on growth and stuff is I just feel like change is part of growth. They go kind of go hand in hand. Absolutely. Okay. If you could give people any words of wisdom and you knew that they would take it to heart, what would it be? Be brave, <laughs> which it sounds so simple, but I think it's one of the hardest things for us to do. And I think if I were to look at all the successful entrepreneurs, this is just my personal opinion, but I think the thing they have in common is that they're brave people. I think, yes, obviously we have advantages. We are born with advantages. Maybe we were smarter. Maybe we were more athletic. You know, maybe we had more money. Like maybe we were positioned differently. Like all of those things come. And yes, people have different advantageous points that lead them to, you know, success quicker or in different ways. But when you strip all that away, I think the one thing that you cannot not have, (laughs) double negative, to be successful is bravery. I really believe that the successful people were just brave. They were brave to get started. They were brave to do something that people told them not to do. They were brave enough to make a change in their life. They were brave enough to keep doing something when you failed. Like it seems so simple, but it is really hard to do. And I think it is really important to do if you want to be an entrepreneur. You have to learn how to be brave. If you could go to dinner with anybody dead or alive, who would it be? I feel like it's way too hard to pick between dead and alive. So I'm going to just pick from people that are alive or else. I mean, I have a hard time picking an item off of a menu at dinner. So the idea of also picking my guests with unlimited access to anyone in the world would for sure, I would sit there and just analyze forever. So if I had to pick someone alive, I would go to dinner with Mike Rowe. He is a big role model to me and I would love to sit down with dinner with him. So Mike Rowe, if you're listening, you know, hit me up. I'll oh, treat. Sure, I'll I'm even sure treat. He, yeah. I'm sure he is. Uh, what is one quote that you lead your life by? I actually looked up a couple because I'm a big quote girly. I've always been really into quotes. You know, in high school, I had like the sticky notes on my bathroom mirror, you know, like would write with the, the Sharpie marker on your mirror. Like that was me. So I found a couple. One I really love is I find it amusing that we're all pretending to be normal when we could be insanely interesting instead. That's by Atlas. And I think it's just a big reminder to lean into your quirks and the things that make you you, which you know nowadays we say to be authentic. But I think it's really easy to get caught up in seeing what other people are doing and feeling like, oh, maybe that's the mold I need to fit to be successful. And I've always said the trailblazers, the brave people are the ones that are going to go further. So you can really learn to, you know, lean into what makes you insanely interesting instead of pretending to be normal, I think you you might have a bright path ahead of you. And then the other one I'll read is make your choice, adventurous stranger, strike the bell and bide the danger or wonder till it drives you mad. What would have followed if you had? And that's by C.S. Lewis. And it's basically just an ode to being brave enough to take the risk. So you don't have to wonder what would have happened if you hadn't, which I'm a pretty big believer in that. You can ask my husband um, <laughs> about taking risks and doing things a little unconventionally. I just don't ever, I don't ever want to feel the regret of of not trying something that I think I want to do or think I could make happen. Like if that if it is placed on my heart, I think it is there for a reason, and I think it's important to seize it and grasp it and go after it. 
Well, I will tell you what, uh, the big words that I've heard today, not big as far as like length, but passion, courage, bravery, risk taker, those are huge, whether it is, you know, whether it is for yourself, whether it is for your business, whatever it is, those are really big pillars. It does not shock me that you and those words would be associated with one another. I cannot thank you enough for today. I know that somebody has a takeaway. I'm sure that everyone is already following you, but for those who aren't, where can they find you? Since you're listening to this on the podcast platform, I'm guessing you are a podcast person. So I will plug our podcast first. It is called Discover Ag. And I co-host that with my business partner. It's a once a week, every Thursday podcast where we break down trending topics in the ag and food space. And we really give our millennial farming perspective on it. It's a lot of fun. We basically you know, are taking all the things that the Washington Post and the New York Times and all of those, you know, social media celebs and everyone who is kind of things that are running wild in the in the news and we're really breaking down and bringing a more nuanced conversation to it. So you can find us there at Discover Ag. And then my house is kind of my Instagram. So from my Instagram, you can follow me everywhere else. But it is Natalie Kavorik. Awesome. Well, you guys do us a favor. Drop your biggest takeaway from today in your stories. Tag of the West. Tag Natalie. We want to hear and see what resonated most with you. And we will see you guys next week. If you loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries. And you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.